Welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman, a podcast loaded with practical tips, powerful scripts, personal stories, and simple steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. So get ready to get the information you need to make the impact you want from someone you trust, your friend, parenting expert, Dr. Robin Silverman. Hello and welcome to How to Talk to Kids About Anything, where we give you the tips, scripts, stories, and steps to make even the toughest conversations easier. I'm so honored to be your host, Dr. Robin Silverman, Child and Teen Development Specialist, author and speaker, and most importantly, parent of two great kids who give me the opportunity to love, learn, and grow every single day, whether I want to or not. Believe me, I get it. It's not always easy. But we're in this together, and we have some great people helping us along the way. Now, did you know that Denmark has been voted as having the happiest people in the world by the OECD, the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, almost every year since 1973? That's more than 40 years of happiness. It begs the question, is it the parenting? I mean, is there a Danish way of parenting? It turns out there is. And while the Danish way of parenting is not the only reason Danes are the happiest, it does play an important role. And the success of it all seems to be tied to the ways they educate children far beyond academics, focusing on play, empathy, and social skills. It's important to delve into it. I hope you would agree, since happy kids tend to grow up to be happy adults who raise happy kids, and the seasons go round and round again. And while in the United States and in other areas of the world, we're seeing an increase of antidepressants, suicides among young people, and mental health diagnoses, as well as a great deal of competition between parents and kids, we have a lot to learn from the Danes. Best-selling author, journalist, Danish parenting expert, and cultural researcher Jessica Alexander wrote a great book called The Danish Way of Parenting, What the Happiest People in the World Know About Raising Confident, Capable Kids, and it's been published in over 25 countries. Her work has been featured in Time, The Wall Street Journal, Salon, Huffington Post, NPR, uh, The New York Times, and many more places. She regularly does talks and workshops for parents, schools, and organizations like Google, the Women's Network of the United Nations, the World Parenting Forum, and many more. She has also worked as a spokesperson for Lego on the power of play. I'm so excited to have you on the show. So welcome, Jessica Alexander, to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm thrilled to have you on this show. I've read your book. It's got some really interesting pieces to it, and I really am excited to delve in. But before we get into the bulk of the interview, for those who haven't yet gotten their hands on your book, what gets you up in the morning and what inspired you to write this best-selling book? Um, well, it was a bit of a long journey, I have to say. Um, it began with, um, I, I was living in different countries um, for work, and then I met my husband, who's Danish, and um, I I was always observing, you know, cultural differences, and I was fascinated by cultural differences and studying languages, um, but then it wasn't until I had children and I um, I really saw how differently people in different countries raise their kids. Uh, so in Norway, for example, they put children outside in minus 20 degree weather and it's super common and this is what you do and it's, it's you know, it's very much encouraged. 
Um, in Japan, 10-year-olds are taking the metro by themselves to school. In England, they, I noticed they were really obsessed with kids going to bed at 7 p.m. with a warm bottle of milk. And then Italy was completely opposite. Kids were going to bed at midnight. Mm. So so what was happening was I, I, I became aware of these cultural differences in terms of parenting were um, extremely, uh, it was like, this is the way you do it. Mm. So, so I mean, how deeply, how deeply these beliefs were for for these different places that I was going with my babies, you know, and my, my, and I and I realized, wow, um, it, it started making me question my own beliefs, mm. you know, because I would I would go in one country and I would see, you know, but this is how you do it, mm. you know, and and if and if you said any anything else, it was like, no, that's wrong, right. And then you go someplace else, and they, right. So it started making me think, "Wow, what am I? What are my beliefs?" Mm. You know. And so these are called these are called cultural default settings, or parental ethno theories is the actual terminology. Mm. Um, it's it's the beliefs we have as parents that's that's affected by our culture, um, and it's like uh, it's like settings on a computer. It's like it's what we it's what we're programmed with, and. Um, and so, so I started questioning it. And now for years, let me go back a ways. Um, for many, many years, I had been aware of uh, children in Denmark being extremely happy and well-behaved and respectful. Mm. And uh, I, I don't know if you've ever been to Denmark or Scandinavia. Well, I, uh, the f- Have you? I went around Europe uh, quite a bit, but I didn't get specifically to Denmark. Okay, okay. So the first time, just to say, the first time I went, I mean, many, 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 like we're talking 20 years ago, and I, I, I was seriously like, what's going on with all the kids yes. here? They were, they're just so serene and so peaceful. And, um, and so for many years, I was kind of like just studying what the parents were doing and, and what the teachers were doing and being aware that there was definitely something different. Um, but it wasn't until I had my 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 daughter and I'd read like hundreds of parenting books to prepare myself um you know I was like I was determined to be prepared but then when I had her um I found that I preferred my Danish family's advice to all the books Mm. and my friends and whatever I just slowly started to just only go to them for advice Mm. and this was happening. I had my son, the same thing. Like it, I just stopped going to the books. I, anytime I needed something, it was like, that's what I, I knew the answer was there. And then I was on vacation one day and I was reading the newspaper while my husband was playing with my daughter in a very Danish way fashion. And, um, I read that Denmark had been voted as the happiest country. Uh, and I was really shocked because I'm American and my country is obsessed with happiness, and I thought, like, how how don't how don't I know this? Um, and then I found out, yeah, forty years in a row, they're always in the top three of the happiest countries in the world. Mm-hmm. This year, they're number two mm-hmm. for forty years in a row. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. And then I look at my husband, and I think, oh my god, it's the parenting. Mm-hmm. You know, I like. You know, the happy kids grow up to be happy parents who mm-hmm. raise happy kids. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's a cycle. And mm-hmm. it's these default settings, these cultural default settings that we just pass on and on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I had this light bulb go off in my head because 
I, it had changed me so much as a parent and as a person um, that I knew it could help others. So I was like, I have to write this book. And, um, you know, I called a friend who was a Danish psychologist and I was like, does this exist? And mm. she said, no. And I was like, okay. Mm. And that's how the book was, mm. was born, essentially. Excellent. Sorry, long story, but no, that's that's great. It, I'm I'm so excited to delve into it, but I do have to ask you this one question because you said that your husband was playing with your daughter in this very Danish way. Can you just describe what that looks like or is, or how we can maybe do it ourselves? What is that about? I tell you, I tell you. I mean, it's it's a scene that is embedded in my memory because it's it's literally like the aha moment of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was he was on the floor with her. She was afraid of a spider. And he got on the floor with her and he was helping her um turn her fear into curiosity. Mm. So he was he was pointing out the legs and how they, you know, how the hairs, how they make um you know, how they make webs mm. and explaining and like I watched as her fear became curiosity. Mm. And she stopped focusing on the negative and started mm. focusing on the positive. This is what we call reframing mm-hmm. in the book. Mm-hmm. And it's a very Danish thing, like all Danes. It's, they're just extremely, I don't, not, not exaggerated positive, but very good at finding positive details in like negative situations. Mm-hmm. And this they pass on to their kids. And like my daughter still loves bugs. Mm. Wow, that's incredible. And I love the idea of reframing. I know that's part of your acronym for parent. Um, you say in your book that for Americans, stress levels are really high and we feel judged by others and by ourselves. And you point to constant comparisons and a need to keep up with the Joneses. You say that part of this is human nature and part of it is what it is to be American. You ask the reader, what if some of our answers we have for raising our kids to these questions that we have? Our parenting, our parenting norms are flawed. So in that regard, clearly the Danish way of parenting is quite different. So what in, in just a couple of sentences does, in, do you think is, is the crux of what makes the Danish way of parenting so different from other cultures? And is this approach, this is really important, but is this approach applicable outside of Denmark? Um, that's a great question. Um, I will. I would say fundamentally, I think the biggest difference is they actively teach empathy mm. from when children are very small. And it's such a part of their culture that uh, they're just naturally very empathic. Denmark is voted as, I think, the most trusting and empathic country in the mm. world as well. Mm. And we know that empathy is a huge factor in happiness, yes. in in not judgment, not judgment. Oh, I can't speak now, and not judging others, mm-hmm. um, in connecting, in collaboration, mm-hmm. and it's it's. I think that's one of the main things, and uh, I absolutely think it's applicable not only in America but anywhere else. Um, even if it's one or two things, I always tell parents, even if you take one or two things mm-hmm. that resonate with you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think you can make a difference in the future happiness. So when you're saying this idea that the crux of the difference is empathy, just tell us what that sounds like when you are listening to a parent 
with a child in Denmark, what are you hearing them say or what are they doing to to help pass on that idea of empathy to their kids so well? It's not so competitive. Mm. It's not about how, you know, it's not um, praising about like how great you are or good job. You know, um, it's much more about the process and acknowledging children and pointing out the good in others. Mm. Mm. So like I, I was noticing in the language, I was often hearing you know, if they were playing with a child, it would be like, oh, do you see how sweet he is? Mm. Or look how nice he's being. It was like, mm. it's really constantly pointing out good behavior in others. Mm. Mm. So it's mm -hmm. directing you to see the good in others. Mm. Oh, what a beautiful way. Oh my God, totally. Oh. I mean, I mean, this book, I'm telling you, it, this, this changed me. Mm. This, I mean, it changes me every day. I have to, it's, I'm still American and I have to actively work on it, yes. right? Yes. Oh, but I it's love powerful. that. It's powerful. Yes. It's really powerful. It's and it really affects your well-being because first and yeah. foremost we're people and then we're parents, right? Yeah, and you know, it's 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 something when you're saying that you actually actively have to do it. I can feel that. I mean, when I'm in when I'm doing my podcast, I feel like I'm I'm in a master class all the time. Today I'm in a master class with you and I'm, you know, just <laughs> so excited about it. And so what I just take away from that just brief thing that you just said and what I would encourage other people to do is just take take the time like two or three times a, a day to try to point the good out in somebody else to your child because that's just one way of of taking what you're saying and applying it right away and it's such an easy thing to do can we you know we're so frustrated with sibling rivalry i mean this morning i was my kids were totally at it with each other and it's it's frustrating my husband's at a business you know in a business thing right now and i'm trying to get them out for school and they're frustrated and they're irritating each other and i'm like ah and in that moment it would have been so important for me to take that danish way of parenting and look for the good and help my child to see the good in their brother or sister so that it alleviates the argument and starts to point things in a positive direction wouldn't you agree yeah absolutely and with siblings i think i mean my big learning curve there was was never to compare them and uh you know and not like again with this reframing empathy is very tied to reframing so it's this thing about instead of labeling other other kids being annoying or mm -hmm. whatever is that you look for the good in them instead right well maybe she's tired maybe that's why she's acting that way mm. You know, you help them find the you help your kids find the meaning behind behavior. Oh, so good, so. Amazing. And and this you could do with siblings too, and it really helps. I mean, I'm like knock on wood, but so far I'm really happy with my kids' relationship. Mm, mm, um, mm, but mm. It, but it you know it's never it's never perfect, right? But right. It, I I do think it would be different if I had done it just as I was raised. Mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to take that that point that you're making and apply <laughs> it because uh, my kids are 16 months apart, and you know they oh. they fight a little bit like cats and dogs sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Best friends and and drive each other banana nuts. Uh, yeah. So I'm going to take that and and I'm going to really apply that maybe two to three times a day, looking for the good in the other, so that um, and certainly praising it and and recognizing it when the when one of them does it for the other that would be amazing so you talk about parenting as a verb in your book and point to the fact that we 
we sometimes forget about that. There's something very important about self-awareness in parenting. It's not all energy out. There's energy that needs to be expended inward so that we can parent to the best of our ability. And you even talk about a story of when you were with your son in the city and he was riding too close to the cars to illustrate the point. So can you tell us more about this and how the Danish way of parenting involves reprogramming those default settings you were mentioning so that we can change in a positive direction that you encapsulate in this acronym acronym parent yes okay so um again like i i think uh it's really important as as parents that um you know it is a verb it's like love you know love is a verb you know it's to be in a long-term relationship it's not easy and it takes work. It's it's, and I think parenting is the same. And I I don't think we can change everything. But if we choose again one or two things, mm-hmm. I think we make a huge difference. And this example I used was of a huge thing that I changed. Um, so I was raised in a, an authoritarian family, mm-hmm. and um, you know spanking was normal, mm-hmm. and I never questioned it. I thought it was normal. Uh, and I think there's a lot of people that. Also, I mean, I know it's changing, but I still think it's very common mm-hmm. for a lot of people. Sure, and sure. and so um, it wasn't until I met my husband and I started talking about like, well, how are we going to discipline? How are we going to discipline? And he, he said, why are you so obsessed with discipline? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, what are we going to do? <laughs> I mean, and, and, he, and, because, and he said, look, we'll manage it before it's got to discipline. Mm-hmm. But I, I realized that. So when I talked to him about spanking, I mean, he looked at me like I was crazy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I, so I started questioning it and I found out that in Denmark spanking has been illegal for like more than 20 years. Wow. And I did research and I found it was illegal in like 53 other countries. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I started asking other Danes about, about spanking, I mean, have you ever been in an airplane with, that has ashtrays? Uh, I mean, I guess that was a long, long time ago. My, but, you know, still, sometimes yeah. you take a plane and it has ashtrays. Uh, I, think, it, I, I think they're oh cemented my. closed at this point. <laughs> yeah, but it's just so crazy yes. to think about. I know my, my was, husband actually said that he remembers when his mother used to smoke on, like that, you know, his mother used to smoke on planes and that there was like a smoking section, like that was going to keep the smoke from, from going to the other's non-smoking section or something. Right yeah right but so but so that's how so so it made so that was one of the things I was determined like this is something I definitely want to change but but for a lot of people that were raised in an authoritarian family this is very much ingrained in you when you are scared or pushed to your limits or exhausted or you know desperate yes to to you know like in that case my son was going to run out in the road and I noticed that my default setting would have been to grab him and like spank him like you know to say stop because I was scared of him running in the road. And I mean, I grabbed my head and I was like, oh my God, no, no, find another way. And I got down and I, and I looked and I said, you know, do you see the cars? The cars go ow, ow, you know? And, and I said, do you want to go ow, ow? And he said, no. And I was like, cars go ow, ow, stop when I say stop. And he, and he nodded and he goes, pointed at the cars. And he goes, cars go ow, ow. Mm. And he hugged me. And I was like, I, I mean, I felt, amazing because I I knew that he understood um, what I was saying but I also stopped myself yes you know I I, I conquered myself in that moment and I think that is the most that is the verb Mm. to parents Mm. Mm. 
so important. I really appreciate that story. And I can feel what you're talking about because, you know, we always have these types of moments that happen where we're like, yes, that went the way that it it should have. Or I think that was the best of me um, because I stopped and I paused and I thought to myself, mm-hmm. what's really the right thing to do in this moment? Not what I'm programmed to do, what, but really what is the, the right parenting move in this moment? And you're right. You feel really good after that because yeah. you feel like this this felt good to all the people and just to point out i mean just to put high beams on one of the things that you're mentioning here is that your child in that moment wasn't defying you so much as not understanding what it was that he was supposed to do why would he need to stop going and having fun because he's new to this world in that moment he's three years old he doesn't know that this is what can happen when you're around the cars we know as parents but they you know he doesn't and i think a lot of the time when we're with with our kids you, you, you have to realize that we have to educate our children in these manners and then give them the knowledge so that they can make good choices and they don't always know. So punishing them in that moment for not knowing is actually crazy if we really yes. stop to think about it. Yes, but I think many parents do it. The, the reason I want to stress like in these moments when we're, because the default settings that we have come out when we are pushed beyond our limits. Yes. Yes. When we when we run out of surplus, the only way you can parent in a new way is when you have a little tiny bit of surplus. Yes, you're right. You're so right, and that's when you know we we default to um, yes. yelling and and deep frustration, and yes, perhaps um, spanking for those people who have that as their default setting. Um, I really get that. It was very very much you know more common as we were growing up to for our you know for children to be spanked now you're right i think that things have been changing but it still is an issue and i think more pe- the more people learn about um that it's it's not the right way to go yeah, yeah. Um, i mean i and, think if you yeah. i think if you consider that um that it's that it's illegal yes in this these countries right, right? i mean illegal for 20 years that's what, i mean yes. we would we would look at it as crazy and i mean i know it's not really cool for me to say that I had this spanking as a default setting, but I'm, I say it also to reach out to those parents who have, right. you know, and, and I, and I think it's that that's why it is so important to look at how we were raised exactly both yeah. by our culture and by our parents and, and, and because that default will come out yes. under yes. pressure. You're right. I, I think my husband and I were both spanked as kids and, um, you know, we, we had a conversation before we had had our kids that this wasn't something that we were going to do but I do feel that what you're talking about because there have been times when we've had this conversation that we when we were spanked we didn't do that behavior again because we were fearful of doing the behavior yes and that's a you know so it's it's an argument that a lot of people will will go to but you know when I was spanked I didn't do it again but there are, are better ways of, of our children understanding why the behavior is, is not a good one or an unsafe one or an unfair one than to make it so they're fearful of the behavior, not because they necessarily understand what, what was going on in that manner. Yeah, and I think, I mean, like the main difference, one of the big differences in, in let's say, Danish parenting, uh, which was a big shift for me, um, is they're very, it's a very respect-based 
style. So mm. they absolutely in no way want their children to fear them. Okay. Yeah. At all. Mm-hmm. That's mm. like no way they want their kids to fear them. They want them to respect them. Right. Right. Okay. Um, I think just to go a little bit further on that point, because I think people would be asking, how is it then that we establish that respect when they're doing a behavior, you're saying no, and maybe they still don't listen in that time. And you want there to be a mutual respect. And what happens when things start to escalate more? How do you, what's your next move? Right. Well, I think again, it's like, it's a long term mm-hmm. process, right? So it's not, a, it's not, uh, you know, obviously, what I started noticing was, I think in the American culture, we're, we're much quicker to use ultimatums, yes. generally. Yes, the ultimatums. So it's, yes. So it's, this comes back to being a bit of a competitive culture, just mm-hmm. naturally, that's I'm just saying, like, as a cultural difference, right? Like, we are a, a competitive culture. So it's an it's an I win mm-hmm. culture. And this spills over into the parenting, right. because we don't realize that we immediately go into like an I win, you lose situation. Mm-hmm. Right. And this was what I noticed in Denmark. They don't immediately actually, as, as little as they can, they don't jump to ultimatums. Mm-hmm. Because that immediately puts you into the power struggle. Right, right. And you say that you know? these power struggles can the, are the things that can help us, you know, sort of leave, leave, lose our temper. And exactly. yet at the same time, we expect the children to keep their cool. So... If they're exactly. not, you know, so, so I would love for you to tell us since we're very much about like how we're talking to kids about these types of things, what the parent does or says, instead of using the ultimatums, help us to sort of hear what a conversation might sound like if a child is doing a behavior that may be hurting another person or unfair to another child and you want them to stop, we might go to, you have to stop doing that or this is what's going to happen. What would it sound like in Denmark? It, it's Well, there's a lot of explanation. That's why I said also this thing about explaining to Sebastian when he, so the car, you know, mm. it's like the car go out in, in a language they can understand, you know, right. just because they're two or one and a half, there's a lot of things that you, how you can explain and things they understand like that hurt, mm-hmm. ow, ow, that hurts, mm-hmm. you know, that goes ow, ow, you know, and, and, and you, you make a no, you know, and ow. So it's just, it's, it's like, and again, kids sometimes need it one or two times, right? right. They, they, they need it explained, but that's okay. Sometimes we need things explained. Sure. Sure. More times. So it's like, it's like, again, it's like, I'm not going to immediately jump to if you do that again, Mm -hmm. or, you know, immediately you I'm the powerful one. And you have, Mm. it's more like, how do I get this message across so that they that they hear me in a way that they can understand? Mm. I mean, I'll give you another example, like, uh, often power struggles at dinner time, right? Because we want kids to eat, right? And they need to eat what we want them to eat and they need to eat now. And then, you know, um, and, uh, and so like in Denmark, you know, they'll, 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 they'll put out things on the table and they feel like as a parent, their responsibility to put the food out mm-hmm. for the child. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but there's a lot of things that can affect appetite and, you know, phases of eating. And this also depends on age. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of understanding of that. But just to tell you like a, a, some, a trick my husband used, I put it in the book, um, that works amazingly well <laughs> is instead of immediately going into, you know, uh, if you, you, you need to eat that now or finish your plate or etc. He'd be like, um, 
do you, don't you want to be big and strong? Mm-hmm. Right. And he'll, and he'll be like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he'll say, okay, well, you know, if you eat that, that's going to make you big and strong. Mm-hmm. He says, watch, taste that and let me feel your muscle. Yes, we do this and then, too. <laughs> and then he takes a bite and he feels his muscle. Yeah, and sure. And he's like, whoa. Wow. And, Woof. Then he eats, and then he, if he finish, he'll like finish it. Yes. I can't tell you how many times. So just, yes. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's a silly example, but it's yes. just to say that there's a lot of other ways to go mm-hmm. instead of the immediate I win, you lose. You, yes. you have to listen. You know, it's it's um it's a way of thinking differently. Yes, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. We often will also add like I'd be like, wait a second, I can't be the smallest in this family. No, you're just gonna have to stop eating that. Let's let's instead of these vegetables, let's just take these away, and I'm just gonna give you candy because then I'll keep you nice and small and weak. They're like, no, no, you know, this was like, yes. give me the vegetables. I even um I, I cut the vegetables early. And then they, you know, this was especially happening when they were young, but I do still do this. And they would, you know, like go over and they sort of would steal one. I'd be like, wait, you can't steal those vegetables. Come back here. You know, but I always put them out early because if they're hungry, then they're going to just go ahead and eat those. But um, I think you're right. It's just thinking a little bit differently so that the kids will um, do the behavior that you you know is good for them without having to parent in a way that yeah, might not be so great so it's so again it takes a bit of surplus but it's like yes, it's also about right. awareness like what kind of how fast it's asking yourself how fast do i go into ultimatums yes you know what are our big lines of parenting what are the what's most important for my partner and i or for myself my family, whoever's mm-hmm. raising your children um you know is it is it that they're a soldier or that they have a appreciation for food mm. good point and do I need to take this battle in front of my friends right now because mm-hmm. he's not doing what I want mm-hmm. or she's not, you know, I think also we get stressed by other people. Yes. We feel judged. Yes. Right. And this, this pushes us to, because we're like, Oh, I need, I need to make, I need, they need to do this now because I'm mm-hmm. all of a sudden I'm and, a bad parent if my child's right. not eating right now. Right. And that, and that's where I think it's like, you have to keep in mind what's really important for you, for your child and mm-hmm. to shut out that, um, that judgment or that mm-hmm. feeling of judgment. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, sometimes we have to think to ourselves, like, would we want somebody telling us what to eat and when to eat? And so, yes. you know, like, wait a second. I don't know if I would like that right now. Uh, if you want to eat the potatoes exactly. first on your plate, then <laughs> I want to eat the potatoes first on my plate. So, yes, I agree. I agree with what you're saying. Um, I, I, I like the example of food since I think a lot of people do have that struggle. And I know that, you know, it circulates and people are thinking, all right, how am I applying this to technology and brushing teeth? And I think it applies in all places that there are different ways of doing this. But I appreciate the acknowledgement that we need to have the surplus because, hey, parents were tired and I get that and we get stressed out. I was just, like I said, stressed out this morning with, you know, being alone and needing to, it happens to be a special day at school and I have to do this for my child also on top of everything else. It was just not going as smoothly as I wanted to. So, um, you know, I could feel myself getting, getting frustrated, um, during that time. So I think it's, it's good to just take that pause because really is it more important to get all of these things done in this one timely fashion or is it more important to take that time to parent in a way that you're, you're proud of. So here's another example of the verb. I would say, um, 
like you know i I, i've also had these times where mornings were really stressful and they are and you know what can you do you're stressed you're pushed to the limit and and it's not pleasant um so there's two things i would say here one and this is very important um is this concept of empathy first it goes to yourself Mm, mm. this is huge yes you know we're not perfect and no. we're trying and and I think we have to first immediately we have to forgive ourselves and be like look I'm gonna do better tomorrow exactly because it, you know if, you, if you're forgiving to yourself you're gonna forg- be forgiving to others mm-hmm. and sometimes we have to say sorry to our kids you know oh, and I think that also me. shows you're we're right. human you are right um, it's a good example but it, too but in terms of the morning so what I started to do even though it was like it wasn't my favorite thing I mean I started getting up like 40 minutes earlier mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Even though I didn't want to, yes. I did because it I, it made everything go so much yes. less with less stress. Yes, right. And you have some quiet time, and you're getting things done, whether it's lunch or something else, in a in a fashion when you you know you don't have to also be attending to your children or whatever it is that you need right. to get done. Right, and a good e- point. even being able to enjoy them a little bit. Right. In the morning. Good point. Yes. So that was a really, that's a really interesting piece. The whole piece on empathy and ultimatums. I just really appreciate that. I know in your chapter on play, you say that in Denmark, there isn't a sole emphasis on education or sports, but rather on the whole child. I live in a town where, you know, sports are bananas here. So I I get it. And I have two kids that are not like that into it, but just like a little bit different. My daughter's into gymnastics. My son is into archery, but it's like not the, you know, soccer, baseball, you know, all that kind of stuff. So, but I do see it. My kids' friends are, this one's going to softball in the morning and then they're going to soccer in the afternoon and it's, it can get a little crazy. Parents and teachers focus on things like socialization and autonomy and co and cohesion and democracy and self-esteem when you're talking about your the Danish way. And those mm-hmm. are providing vehicles for, for kids to simply play after school. I mean, they actually have a time to them mm-hmm. for them to just play. So the Danish way is to let children just play for a good portion of the day. So what do you feel like we need to take away from how the Danish regard and incorporate play into the children's day? And and what tips do do you have for us when it comes to play for our kids? Okay, um, quite a lot, because uh, this was a big thing for me as well. Um, let me first start by saying that the, their belief is that if children's lives are always basically organized by an mm-hmm. adult, because that's what it is, if they're doing sports all the time, then they're always doing something for mm-hmm. a coach, for a parent, they're, you know, for a it, it's it's sort of organized for them. So if, yes. if kids don't have that time to decide themselves, okay, because that's what free play is. It's mm-hmm. like I'm I'm gonna invent, I'm gonna create, I'm gonna run on this log or right. draw this, thing, you know, and uh, then they, for them that's building self esteem, mm-hmm. which which is different than self confidence. Right. And this uh, is far from the like video game playing. You're talking about natural sort of outdoor or yes. indoor play. But, Any, but yes, yes. Just that they choose it, that they have time to just play as they want. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they think this is crucial for, um, so I'll just explain. In Denmark, they have a difference between self-confidence and self-esteem. So self-confidence are all the things you're good at that people can see. So it's like your grades, your trophies, your diplomas, um, et cetera, et cetera. And this is like the leaves of a tree. Your self-esteem is like how you feel about who you are 
regardless of all that mm-hmm. and how you you with the belonging you feel with your family etc it's the roots mm-hmm. and the belief is if you spend too much time on the leaves mm. right mm. and too little on the roots what happens when the storm comes yeah get blown over don't you exactly and you know a lot of people that have tons of leaves or have a huge foliage, oh boy do we ever yes right? and that to me is also a big cultural difference so that's a very more American way, and I don't I don't feel we realize it as much mm-hmm. that we're it's we're neglecting point. the roots. Yes, you're absolutely right. I feel the same way, and it, it is, it, it it's it's hard on the children uh, when they're when they're pushed to these limits outside of necessarily what they absolutely love you know they 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 kind of like you know maybe they kind of like it they think it's they think it's all right but then you also have the children who are doing it because their parents want them to of course and and children want they want their they want to do what their parents want want to to please their parents they They want to make them happy sure so this is this external locus of control this is this external like um it's not coming from within the child right Whereas play, free play, there's no praise in play. There's no trophies. There's no special awards. Yes, right. It's 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 all and it's and it's, built, it's building creativity and collaboration mm-hmm. and so much negotiation. Uh, you know, they they're testing their own limits. Like how much, how far can I push myself on this rock or this tree or mm-hmm. these? You know, they're they're testing their fear and developing coping mechanisms mm-hmm. that help with anxiety later on. Um, and but the thing is, is that because we as adults, this is me speaking as my American glasses on, I feel like because there's no proof that they're learning mm, or mm. or achieving or whatever, mm-hmm. we can't we don't allow that much time for it. You know, what is so interesting from what you're saying is, you know, that that when we've talked about on this podcast that when we interfere with children's ability to be self-directed to do some to, to do things on their own whether it's packing their bag in the morning or um you know getting their homework done we actually interfere with brain development and i feel like we could apply the same thing right here that when we keep interfering with their ability to have self-directed play to just have unstructured play we also are interfering with brain development because they're not getting those coping mechanisms that you're talking about they're not seeing how they can fill their time um, with things that they enjoy and really develop their own passions would you agree with that absolutely and i mean again you have to consider that in denmark play is is an educational theory Mm -hmm. it's been an educational theory since 1871 Mm -hmm. like it is the most important thing a child can do. This is the same in Finland, by the way, which has the best global education system in the world. Mm, mm. So, so these countries, they're neighbors anyway. They're, you know, until age of basically seven and then on, I mean, play is the most important thing. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the, uh, the people in America um, often feel that play is the kids sort of goofing off, wasting time in a lot of ways that we need to be doing something constructive rather than, you know, just jumping off of a rock, as you're saying, right. or, or playing with dirt or new sticks. So right. it, it, it's it's an interesting difference of philosophy. Yeah, but this is this is where I would tell say that this is one of my biggest paradigm shifts mm-hmm. in the Danish way, mm-hmm. because I knew this for a long time. I knew that play was a big deal. One of the first discussions I had with my husband was, he's one of the most accomplished people I know, but he's super humble. 
And uh, I, I was asking him, I was like, okay, well, what did you do when you were little? Mm. And he's and he's like, I played. Yeah, I played. And I said, I said, yeah, but I mean, come on, you know. I mean, I did like gymnastics. Yeah, so and right. and then, you know, I was like, what did you do? He's yeah. Like, I played. I played. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, and I learned over time. I, you know, I saw how it, it, it mm-hmm. is the most, it's like a real thing. And so yeah. it took me a long time to have this paradigm shift of like, wow, no, it really is learning. And I had to, I had to be strong. This is where the judgment came in because, you know, I would go home and I would hear friends that were like, oh yeah, my child is, you know, doing whatever for mm-hmm. John Hopkins mm-hmm. block building class. And you know, my kid is doing the black belt in karate, and my, and what is your, what is, I'm like, she's playing. <laughs> you know, I feel like, I feel like in so many ways we need to ask our kids, like, what is it that you want to do with your time? Like, what do you love to do? Because, you know, you have a child who loves martial arts. They should, yeah, of course, go ahead and yes. do a martial arts class. But you, during the other times during the week, like, they don't have to go, you know, seven days a week. They can, they, you know, my child goes to gymnastics once a week. Um, and so, you know, there's times when she comes home and she's like, I wonder if there's anybody who can have a play date. I'm like, I don't know if anybody's going to be available. I'll be honest with you because, you know, there's like people are in soccer and they're this or that. My son's the same, you know, the same thing. He has archery on Saturday mornings, but like he doesn't, you know, there's not all this constant stuff going on. Like, you know, he's baseball and this and that. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And he's like, it's not that people wouldn't want to play with you, but they are really busy. Like this, this is like a sports time after school. This is what people are doing, you know? Yeah, yeah, Yeah. totally. I, I, I heard this. I hear this from most of my American friends and parents um, that it's like impossible. There's no even, you know, birthdays and stuff. It's like, okay, from this hour to this hour, you know, I I had a friend who came to visit me and we had a birthday and it, it just went on and on and on yes. and on. She yes. was like, oh my God, this would never happen. No, <laughs> you know? I know. I said to my son, I was like, okay, we just need to make sure, like he has two really good friends at school. I'm like, okay, one of them has track in the morning on the day of your birthday party and the other one has soccer in the in the evening. So we're going to put the birthday party at 1.30 so that, you know, we can make sure that, you know, your two, you know, these two kids can get there. Having said that, it's like, I totally understand. It's it's difficult because when everybody else is doing this, we feel pressure as a parent sure. to to yes. do this so I so I totally get it but it's even I mean you have to consider that if you do like eliminate a couple of activities right and and believe in this concept of play um and and there's something else I want to add to that um then it, it also re- reduces stress for the yeah, whole family because you don't have to make that extra drive you don't have to make that and and this isn't just just about them playing it's also about parents taking some time to play with their kids mm. and and in a way where there's no expectations mm, mm. And, and and that it's just about connecting with them. And that's where the well-being comes in mm. is that that time together where you're just being, yes. not doing, oh. is where the roots and the connection and the presence and the that chapter on Huga, it's a whole thing. We won't talk about it now. But Huga is this presence and connection with your family, yes. which is like the heart of it all. Oh, such a beautiful way of looking at this, that this is part of really making sure those roots are strong and, and, you know, you, that you have the time. I think so many people are so frazzled right now, um, because they don't have the time. I think you're hitting on something really important. I, I do want to, um, ask you a little bit more about that idea of togetherness, but can you tell us about, 
authenticity in your book. I was struck when you said in particular that emotional honesty, not perfection, is what children truly need for parents. It sort of goes along with what we were talking about. And and tell us more about how we can parent with this authenticity and how that benefits our children. Um, I would say one of the biggest differences that I noticed is that they're very, very honest with their children about mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Um, so all topics are on the table yes. from from whenever so because their motto is if it's part of life it should be part of education mm. um so that includes you know our body sex yes. death yes. Uh, all of it um i always use the example of the little mermaid which many people think is you know she gets the prince it's a happy story um but it's actually a danish fairy tale mm-hmm. and um in the original version she dies from sadness and turns into sea foam mm. because she doesn't get the prince Hmm. Um, and this is like a typical Danish kind of fairy tale. Yeah, you mentioned um, in the book, like they're, they're, these movies are like so sad. <laughs> I would joke with my husband, like immediately I know in a movie it's going to be Danish. Um, but it's because they feel like life is not only happiness. Mm-hmm. The happiest and, people make sad movies. Is that what you're telling yeah, me? But, but, but so, so this is something, the way I describe it in some of my presentations is, they look at um, emotions as sort of like a color wheel. Mm-hmm. And if you look at a color wheel, you wouldn't say that red is better than brown or mm-hmm. blue is better mm-hmm. than orange. And for them, it's the same. Mm-hmm. So happiness isn't better than sadness and anger isn't better than mm-hmm. frustration. And so mm-hmm. What's important is that kids learn about all of the emotions. Mm-hmm. What a great way um, of looking at it. Because, wow. Yeah. Because, because, I mean, imagine if our life was only made up of purple. <laughs> right no it's a really good point and it wouldn't look so purple to us and anymore it, wouldn't look, it would be it would right and 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 it's it's funny because we're so focused on happiness as the only emotion mm-hmm. and yet and and yet i find and, and they're because they're so focused on really exposing kids to all emotion and saying look life has everything to life is not a fairy tale mm. so mm-hmm. you know this and and this helps them learn that early on and I think it makes them more resilient mm, mm, um, because mm. they don't get shocked when bad things happen or when mm. they experience upsetting emotions because mm-hmm. they're I mean it's it's really the the ultimate way of self-regulating so they read them a lot of I think it's it's important to read stories that encompass all kinds of emotions mm-hmm. um, there's there's a book that's called that's actually translated to English from Danish called uh, cry heart but never break mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm uh, it just talks about death. It's mm-hmm. really, I thought it was really good. It, and it's not about having the answers. It's mm-hmm. just about being honest mm-hmm. as much as you can be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like if you're sad, it's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it's okay to be sad. It, it's it's like it, you don't have to hide it. Be like, no, everything's okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And it, it, it goes to the point also that our kids would be much more likely to talk to us about things that might be bothering them and come to us when they're in need because nothing is hidden and everything exactly. is available. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. It's mm-hmm. it's like I say it's about creating a conversation that lasts your life rather than, you know, about certain topics, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, I mean, the more vulnerable and emotionally honest we are, the more they know that they can be too. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I loved that whole section. That's really something. Um, Before we kind of get to the close, I'd love to ask you just a little bit about that togetherness idea. What would be 
What would you say is like the really important message about Danish togetherness and and making sure that you're spending that special time with children? Um, okay, the word is called hygge. Uh It's uh, become a very popular word mm-hmm. these days. Um, but the way that it's being described and used, I find is very superficial. It's like uh, people talk about hygge, which basically means cozy times together mm-hmm. with family. Uh, many people are talking about it as like warm blankets and tea and cozy socks. And I don't know. This is how I've seen it being, you know, uh, sold products. With. Oh, interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If you look up Huga, you'll see co- woolly socks and oh. warm tea and mm-hmm. whatever. But um, for me, Huga, it's a very Danish concept. It's you can't have a conversation without hearing it. Um, it's, uh, it's for me, it's much more of a psychological space Mm -hmm. that you enter into Mm -hmm. with your family. Mm -hmm. And when you enter into the Huga space, this is how I describe it so that we can understand it as non-Danes. Um, I, you, it's like you take off your work stress, your complaining, your negativity, uh, bragging, anything that could slightly divide you from someone else. Mm. Um, so it takes, so it's like almost takes awareness to like, I'm coming into this space now to be present together with the ones that I love. Mm. You leave your phone, you leave your, mm. all that stuff, all that stuff will be waiting for you outside. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm. Um, but for like this period of time, I'm going to be present in the moment with my family. And this can be your kids. This can be your family. This can be your friends, but let's say, let's start with our family. And so you can do things like play games, play, mm-hmm. um, uh, talk about good memories from the past. Mm-hmm. This is very connecting in the moment in a positive way. Mm. Um, focus on the food. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a team effort. That's what people have to understand about mm-hmm. Huga is mm-hmm. that, that you, know, you have to all be aware of it mm-hmm. to make it happen. Mm-hmm. But kids, absolutely love it Mm -hmm. because they love spending drama-free time with their family Mm. Mm. like they cling to you like you cannot believe and i the thing you have to keep in mind is that even if hygge for us takes awareness and effort it's a no work a little bit um they will grow up to do it naturally Mm. oh wow these special times for togetherness leaving all that stuff out Mm mm-hmm um, the, the way I always describe it is you hear about mindfulness, mm-hmm. right? You know, about being in the moment, presence. It's like, a, you know, it's the huge thing now. Mm-hmm. I describe huga as the next step, which is it's not mindfulness, it's weefulness. Mm. I love that. I love that. That was beautiful. And what and a great is, thing to take away. Yes. It is. It is. It is. I can't tell how much has changed my American family. Mm. I mean, it's really transformed us. Um, I, I always say people can find the Huga Oath, which is something you can print out mm-hmm. from my site and like put on your refrigerator mm-hmm. so that everybody can see like the kind of basic things you need to do. Right. And it's just an agreement uh, that this is this is this special time with with our family and we're going to leave all this behind. It's sort of an agreement that as we enter this space, we're we're going to just be focused on one another and and loving and what loving one another. Yes. And so it's not about, it's not me time. It's not about me. Mm-hmm. It's about we. Right. Right. Somebody's and like doing I said, it, it together. Simple, but you know, 
Mm-hmm. It's 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 harder than you think, yeah. right? That's oh. why it's important to have people to agree. And then I I can't. It's like it's time limited. So mm-hmm. like for us, a lot of times our huga time is is in the morning. Actually, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I light a candle at the table, and people kind of know this is like huga time. Oh, um, nice. Or it's you know you, like if it's twenty minutes when you come home. Mm-hmm. That presence of your play mm-hmm. can be a huga moment. Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh, my, my like I said with my family, we've started to to it's we're starting to know it now, mm-hmm. and so we have these moments where we don't talk about politics mm-hmm. and we don't talk about anything that's going to make us divided. Mm-hmm. Mm. Nice, you know. Yes. Oh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful way of being, and I love to take that away. I mean, the thing about it is, is again, it's it's it sounds really simple, but when you create these moments, and I almost feel like they're oases mm-hmm. of time, where it doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter what's going on outside. You know, you create this oasis for your family, and it is so recharging for the soul, and you realize like how important it is mm-hmm. that we have that time. Mm, mm, you know yes for everybody about yes for everybody yeah Mm -hmm. um and it's because it's such a small simple thing but can make such a difference Mm -hmm. Mm. i love it i love it so at this point let's get to our top tip so for for those parents who haven't been parenting the danish way that love to incorporate some of the things that you're you're talking about what would be your top tip or top, you can do top two or three, uh, that you would say we should absolutely start doing that would help move us in the positive direction towards this Danish way of parenting? Okay, well, first I say there's never, there's no right way. That's So the Danish way is just like a philosophy mm-hmm. that, that, I've kind, that I'm kind of sharing because I feel like sometimes people hear it's a way that it's, it's not, it's just a philosophy that's very interesting, I think, coming from this perspective of, being the happiest country in the world. Mm-hmm. So I think the top thing any parent can do anywhere in the world is to reflect on your own culture mm-hmm. and your own upbringing mm-hmm. and ask, is there anything that I might do differently? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and I think cho- choosing, not overcomplicating it, not making it, oh, I got to do this, this, and this, and this, because this stress stresses us out. I mean, choosing like one or two things mm-hmm. that you would like to be better from from your upbringing or your culture or whatever. Right. And like really making an effort to focus on one or two things. Right. And, and, and realizing you can let go of some of of some of the things you've been doing because perhaps the reason why you've been doing them is not – because anybody particularly enjoys it, but because it's what you've always done. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And I and I, I think I hope if people read the book, I mean it was it was I hope it's enlightening in that sense because I compare a lot of the American ways, you know? Mm-hmm. So I hope it will give some insight into like, huh, hmm, you know, is that do I agree with mm-hmm. having sports every single day? Mm-hmm. 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 Do I agree with that? Can I do I, you know what I mean? Like right. it's, it's everybody will have their own, uh, it will resonate with everyone in a different way and different, mm-hmm. right. for different reasons. Right. And I think wherever you feel it's strongest, um, like for me, maybe it was, it was empathy, huga and mm-hmm. no ultimatums. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but for someone else it would be play and, you know, various different things. 
Um, I just think just just choose two things and work on those because the more we improve even two things, we're changing the future. Mm-hmm. So, so true. And, and what an important uh, thing to do for yourself is just to, to reflect on those things and see what, what works for me, what works for us as a family, uh, what can I let go of, what can I embrace that will actually bring some calm and some joy into our family um, at a time that maybe has been feeling more of like a struggle or more frustrating or, or, or harried or hurried. So it's, it's a, it's a great idea to just stop and think this through for a little while. And I think that's a great top tip. Thank you so much for that. No problem. Um, and then the second one I would say just is this thing I I repeat again, is that then have empathy for yourself. Oh, good point. Yes. Be, Be kind to yourself, then you'll be kinder to everyone else. Right. Right. Because we, it's so easy to bash ourselves and say, oh my gosh, look what I've been doing all this time. Um, and I don't agree with it. What was I thinking? But we do need to have some empathy for ourselves and some self-compassion and, and understand where all of this has been coming from and that we are imperfect people. And that's okay because we are human and human is just fine. <laughs> it's just exactly yes. fine. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Jessica, for all of your insights and your strategies. I really have enjoyed listening to how the Danish way um, has inspired you. And I really find the philosophy so interesting and, and really easy to incorporate into our lives if we just take a moment to think and procreate the space to allow them to happen. So thank you so very much. Thank you so much for having me. Jessica, can you tell us the resource of the week? Where can we go to get more information about you and all the great things you're doing? Okay, jessicajoelalexander.com. You can find information and the Huga Oath, which is super important to download and print. And um, I'm on Instagram, jessicajoel underscore. And yeah, you can also read more on Facebook, Jessica Joel Alexander and The Danish Way. Oh, Excellent. Well, I appreciate you being on and I've got my takeaways and sweet friends, I know you have yours. So let's discuss them. Come up on Facebook. We can go to the Dr. Robin Silverman page. We can chat about it at drrobinsilverman.com or twitter.com slash drrobin. And I'm also on Instagram under Dr. Robin Silverman. And we can go back and forth with Jessica. You'll see the memes that I create Uh, taking some of the wonderful things that Jessica was saying, slap them on a meme so we can share them all over the place because I think what she's been saying is very inspirational. And if you love this podcast like I did, I hope you'll go up to iTunes and rate and review it so others can hear about it and all the great suggestions that Jessica's had uh, all about her book. I really would appreciate it. The more that we review the podcast, the more people hear about our outstanding guests. That's all the time we have for today, my fellow parents, leaders, and educators. Thank you so much for tuning in to How to Talk to Kids About Anything. For more information on books, articles, speaking engagements, or curriculum, please visit drrobinsilverman.com. So many great podcasts are up there, and the show notes to this podcast will be up there as well. I look forward to weathering the storms and enjoying the sunny side of life together. And please remember, even on the days when you fall short, you've got this. You're here. You're getting the information you need. I know you heard things today and you're thinking, oh, goodness, what have I been doing? I shouldn't have been doing that. I I shouldn't have been saying that. But you know what? You are here and there is always tomorrow. Parenting is the 
ultimate do-over. I see you and I'm right there with you. There are things that I'm going to take from this podcast that I'm going to be applying to my own kids. We all can do these great things, whether it's about togetherness or empathy or no ultimatums. And so there are moments when we doubt our know-how and our choices and our sweet sanity. Please know you're 10 times the parent you think you are. Until next time, this is Dr. Robin Silverman with How to Talk to Kids About Anything. Please tune in again and keep connecting through conversation. See you next week. You've been listening to How to Talk to Kids About Anything with Dr. Robin Silverman. For more information,